Broadcasting from USA Swimming's headquarters at the Carolyn Dirks Building in Colorado Springs, Colorado, it's time for Kickset. Join three-time Olympian Elizabeth Beisel and U.S. National Team Director of Performance Matt Barbini as they host members from the USA Swimming community, ranging from age group to Olympic levels of the sport. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Kickset Podcast. My name is Matt Barbini. I'm the Director of Performance for the USA Swimming National Team. And joining me, as always, from probably the furthest apart we've ever been, Basil, <laughs> is three-time Olympian Elizabeth Basil. What's going on in the world? Back in the U.S. What's going on in my world? You are more, <laughs> you're in Fukuoka. Like, I, I'm trying to think of how many time zones we're spanning right now. And it's 6 p.m. for me right now and it's 7 a.m for you so yes. quite a lot so yeah 13 the fact jumps that we were, yeah <laughs> and like the fact that we were able to make this happen given all of the time zones that we're in especially our guest we're miracle workers that's yeah, all man. i gotta say yeah it's basically magic uh this is definitely the first time we've done one on different days <laughs> since it's still yeah. Tuesday for you and, and Wednesday for me. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we just got here yesterday, so we're all still kind of figuring out the, uh, the lay of the land here in Fukuoka, um, coming off our camp in Singapore. So you know how it is when you get on the road, it's just like, yeah, every day is a, a new adventure. Wait, how was, uh, Singapore training camp? Singapore. Have you been to Singapore? Have you ever been? Yeah. We had our camp there in 2008 before Beijing. Oh, it was nice amazing yeah that's a little that was a little before my time um it is still amazing uh the yep. city is beautiful um there the ocbc aquatic center is fantastic and we stayed in a ridiculous hotel that is kind of sets the bar at like an almost unrealistic level for all other hotels um but team did great uh we were only there for about a week um so it's pretty quick it feels like it's going to be really long when you're like looking at the schedule and then before you know it it's time to leave um, yeah. but everybody yeah everybody that. looks good yeah it was uh it's it's always fun to see especially this team is so young seeing some of the the wide-eyed uh, excitement for what we've got going on here was was really cool so yeah moving along i love it and also yeah. speaking about young that makes me think of katie grimes and the fact that she is now a two-time Olympian at age 17. Let, yeah, how does, just, how does that just make let you feel, that soak <laughs> in. Just, like marinate in that for a moment. That is unreal. Like her Instagram post was like, it's such an honor to qualify for my second Olympic team. And I had to read it like three times. I was like, wait, but you're just, a, you're 17. <laughs> what do she's, you mean? She's qualified for her second Olympics and has not qualified as a high school graduate yet. Yeah, like on. Real. outrageous yeah and obviously some of that is like the schedule and COVID and everything but that it, it is really um and I believe she is the first American Olympian in any sport for Paris right now yeah. so she's the only two USA athletes so far <laughs> she's sitting in a good spot yeah yeah well it's got to be such a weight off your mind to going into next season knowing you're just you're going and so whatever events she's able to add in the pool are kind of a, a bonus, not a bonus, but they are, the pressure is way lower, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Well, speaking about going to Paris, our guest yeah. already knows they're going to Paris <laughs> and I'm going to, Barbie, I'm going to let you, Yeah. I'm going to let you embarrass them like you always do because you do a way better job at it than I do. <laughs> uh, we are honored to have a, a two-time guest and our outline says he's the, the voice of swimming for NBC. I would argue that he is the voice of swimming full stop period. Um, when you think about swimming, um, even before I started this job, I recognized the, the iconic status of Rowdy Gaines. Um, he's a three-time Olympic medalist. He is the voice of swimming. Um, he is called the biggest moments in the history of the sport. Um, and he is un unlucky enough to spend a lot of time with both of us. Um, <laughs> calling in from a third time zone out in Utah. Um, Rowdy Gaines, welcome. Thank you for being here for the second time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Elizabeth. I was just telling Elizabeth before we started, it feels kind of weird her interviewing me because I've been interviewing her for so many Olympic games and swim meets. And of course, we work together now and, and uh, you know how much I love you, Elizabeth. And it's uh, so cool being on with you, Matt. Well, thanks for joining us. Let's just start with the, uh, the, the big event we've got coming up. What are you looking forward to most of this world? 
Well, you know, it's funny because I, I did Chasing Gold, you know, the NBC uh, kind of run up to Paris just last week. And I was with uh, Ahmed Farid and he kind of asked me the same question. So I kind of I kind of took it in two chunks, and I'm sure you guys will agree. First, the women, and then the men, because they're two totally different teams heading into this World Championships. I think next year will look a little bit more similar, but this summer, you know, certainly the women, and Elizabeth, you would be able to answer this better than I would, but uh, it looks like one of the, the best all-around women's teams I have ever seen, you know, from a World Championship perspective. Um it, it, it just has a little bit of everything, you know, it, it's got ob the obvious veterans like in, in Lily and Reagan and, and of course, Katie, um, but it's got some young swimmers too that are kind of, you know, not that Kate Douglas hasn't already made her mark, but I think she's kind of fist figured out this whole long course thing. Gretchen Walsh is another one that's kind of, she's been there before, obviously, but kind of figured out this long course thing. And, um, I mean, the list goes on and on, but I think the women's team look really, really good. But ironically, I think I'm blabbering on at the mouth, but I, I think the men's team looks stronger on the relays than the women do because of Australia. Um, but the, the men on paper just don't look as strong as the women, but they've got a lot of young kids that, you know, I, I told, I told Ahmed last week, I said, you've never even heard of, you know, nobody's, we have, obviously, you know, but the average person's ever heard of Thomas Heilman or Darren Rose or, 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 or Alexi. I mean, these, these are names that I think we're going to know a lot more about over the next year. And I think the men's team, especially on the relays looks pretty good. Yeah. And I think Rowdy, you make up a great point. Um, just like how versatile the team is. I remember Barbini and I were talking at nationals about how we filled that roster so quick because there were so many different athletes at the top. You know, it wasn't like I say the old days. That's like when I was swimming, you know, like Natalie had control over four events. Katie Hoff had control over four events, Missy Franklin, four events. And then you had like people like me that were dabbling in one or two, but this time it's like, no, we have a star in every single event. So I want to ask you, rewinding a little bit from nationals, what were your standout swims from nationals on the men's side and the women's side? Well, I, you know, I mean, Reagan Smith obviously was one that just jumped off the page for obvious reasons, you know. Um, I know everybody kind of thinks that she backed up a little bit in the 200 fly, but I just get the feeling she's just going to be better at Worlds. I don't know why, but, you know, her 200 back and 100 back were just spectacular. You know, Lily proven i i think i said it on air it's like you know oh she's vulnerable kate douglas and everything and you know so many others that were in there and and of course she wasn't vulnerable <laughs> i mean she won all three and i thought her swims were underrated only because she was lily king right and we kind of come to have that expectation the same with katie and her 800 we just we kind of and i said it on the air i say i, I just think we and I'm guilty of it, just kind of taking things for granted with them um, sometimes. But they had just amazing swims. Um, you know, uh, Gretchen Walsh. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I, I can't think of one that really stood out. Um, I think uh, it was really cool to see Abby Weitzel in the 100 free. Abby's what, like 26, 27 now or something like that? You know, to go a best time like that. I, I just love it when the older swimmers go PBs, you know, from the clock standpoint. So uh, that that was kind of it on the women's side. What about you guys? What did, did anything kind of stand out for you, or am I just off base? Am I? I know I'm missing something. Obviously, the 200 IM, Kate Douglas. I mean, I, I you can't. It's hard to pick one. Like you, like you said, Roddy, our women's team gives you almost unlimited options for what right. the most impressive right. swim was because like, yeah. I, and I, I mean, this is, you know, my job is kind of to evaluate these teams and yeah, our, I, I agree with you that this is probably the strongest team top to bottom that, that we've had on that women's side. And, and there are medal contenders in literally every event, which is not, I mean, that's abnormal to, to no. possibly be able to be on the podium. Um, I do think that the thing that stands out to me the most, it's, I mean, we've seen her do it in, in short course, but to qualify for the hundred breast or the 200 breast, the hundred free and the two IM is, is a such a bizarre lineup that it actually creates problems for her at world championships because the schedule is not very favorable because 
world of aquatics would never think that anybody's yeah. going to swim those three events. Right. Uh, but that for me, for Kate is the thing that I think the versatility that she, yeah. she brings is, I mean, it's, it's sort of like Mike, like Funhouse mirror, Michael, where it's like, yeah, you can swim everything. And, but it's three events that really don't have a whole lot to do with each other. So that, um, and I agree with you with Abby. I mean, she's just been rolling through the season, yeah. uh, been hot for the entire year and to see her pull it, put it together and get the individual spot. And the, and the hundred free final always turns into a little bit of a rock fight. Um, but especially yeah. on night one, when everybody's nervous for her to, put that together. And I think the same would be said for Reagan's two fly. I know the time wasn't eye popping for a lot of folks, but she, this was night one. You got to get on the team and she, she got yeah. on the team. I think she'll be swimming a lot. And she just with. did it a month ago for crying out right. loud. It wasn't like, you know, she did yeah. it two years ago. So yeah, she's, she's right there. Yeah. And you know, you get the chance to work through prelims and semis and at worlds, you don't have to do it all mm -hmm. at once in prelims and finals. I think she'll be mm -hmm. able to swim a lot looser when we get to yeah. that event. Yeah. I got to give a shout out to my guy, Nick Fink. Oh, I just yeah. think what he's doing is he's, so. He's like Abby. Sir. Like yes. Abby. Yeah. 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 Except older. He's like 30. Yeah. Yes. Juggling <laughs> a, a real adult job yeah. and having the success that he's having. And I think that's something to be said for, and Rowdy, you might be able to speak on this a little bit, but just like having the balance of sport and then life outside of sport. I would love your take on how important that is because I also know when you were swimming, professional swimming, quote unquote, was not really a thing. Like you weren't making money. Were you working like three different jobs around the clock while training for the Olympics? Well, uh, through college, I didn't work, but yeah, post-grad. So I graduated in 81, Elizabeth. And then, so I had, I had three years to go. And so I worked as a night clerk uh, at the Hyatt Regency in Austin, Texas for two and a half years. So I had the uh, 8 p.m. to uh, uh, 3 a.m. shift. Um, no, 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. shift. And I'd go back home and sleep for an hour or two and then have practice. And then I slept all day, but then uh, kind of just rinse and repeat as we all do. But it, but I had to. I, we, it wasn't just me. We had to because we didn't have an option. There was no professional swimming. We weren't allowed to take money. Uh, so it was a completely different sport uh, 40 years ago. Completely different. Do you think some of Nick's success comes from him Definitely. kind of having that stuff on the back? Definitely. Runner? Don't you think yeah. I... And that's, that's so cool that you gave him a shout out because he really deserves it. It's sort of like Abby and the fact that Abby might not necessarily have a quote nine to five job, but she took about six months off. Right. And I think it just, I, I talked to her about it and it just, she just felt so much more comfortable coming back, recharged, fresh. Like she stepped away from it. I'm not uh, promoting everybody to do that, but <laughs> I think it really, in her case, I think it really helped her, you know? And uh, she just came back with a completely different attitude, attitude, and it really showed. So, um, and and I think that balance that Nick is having, you know, you've been there, Elizabeth, three different times. Good lord, uh, I, it's really hard to eat, breathe, and sleep swimming twenty four seven. You know, um, especially when we all know the Olympics is the pinnacle of success. That. And, and to have that kind of pressure put on you every day, you really need that balance. It, it'll eat you up. It'll definitely eat you up. How about the other side of the coin? So, I mean, you guys both had success at a really high level as really young athletes. What is going through a 16-year-old's head as he arrives in Fukuoka? So I'm speaking of Thomas Heilman, who didn't just make a, you know, he didn't just sneak onto a relay. He qualified for this team in two individual events. And, yeah. um, and Henry McFadden will be on our, our four-by-two relay. I can't remember the last time we had two high school guys on a on a A team. Um, it's been, it's before my time. We've had one in the past, but we've never had, not that I can remember, had two. So What's what are, what are they thinking about right now as they're as we well, arrive at the venue this morning for the first time? Don't you think, well, Matt, you uh, again, you are, are like Elizabeth, you know better than I do. But don't you think we, we kind of have to look past this summer? I, I think you're going to get the trolls that are kind of come out. If, if the U.S. men doesn't do well on the medal count, everybody's going to come out and cry that, you know, the sky is falling. Yeah. But I just think completely the opposite. I think this is great for some some sixteen year old kid 
to be able to get the experience of swimming against the best in the world. And it's just going to help them next summer. But it's not just next summer. I think the U.S. men are set up as well as the women when you peek into the future, you know, like next summer for sure. But even L.A., where it's going to be even more important, there were a lot of kids there that didn't make it and that are young high school kids you know all of them and uh, that didn't make it but they were there and they got the nationals experience they may still to be too young for next summer but i think la which is what everybody wants to point to i heard katie is even thinking about going for la i think you know we just have to keep the blinders on and focus what 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 the task is and the task is paris and then la Rowdy, you bring up Katie and Katie Ledecky for listeners who are like, what, Katie? Um, if she wins the 800, I don't know who would say what, Katie, actually, now that I said that that well. <laughs> Anybody that's listening to this should know what we mean by Katie. She's Madonna. Yeah. Hopefully you know Katie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like Madonna. She doesn't yeah, need a last yeah. name, you know? No, no. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah. Right. if Ledecky, no, right? If if Ledecky wins this 800 um, and the odds are definitely in her favor, just based off the way that she's swimming, it will be her sixth straight world title. And all six you've called, you've called Ledecky's races since nobody even knew her name since she, since pre Katie era, how cool has it been for you to cover her from the beginning back in 2012? It's, it's been an honor of a lifetime. But I yeah. say that when I called your races and so many others on the national team, it, it really is truly an honor. I don't take it for granted at all, Elizabeth. I really don't. And, um, you know, the first uh, the first time I think we talked about this, the first time I called a race of hers was in Charlotte at uh, back then. It was a Grand Prix, I think, in 2012. Yeah. Right? It was like three months yeah. before the Olympics. And Ted, uh, Ted Robinson and I called it. And uh, I don't know if you were there or not, Elizabeth, but um, we called her Kathleen. Um, the whole Kathleen Ledecky. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Peter Lasser was the producer, and he he brings that up every once in a while. He kind of brings the tape out up of me and Ted calling her Kathleen Ledecky. I'd never heard of her, but it really has been an honor. Um, you know, I hear some that say, you know. And I argue with my own generation, y'all. I'm on this text chain. I'm sure y'all are the same way with a bunch of friends from your, either your, you know, your your uh, collegiate team, the Gators, or your Olympic squad, or something. So I'm on a, on a on a chain with a bunch of guys, that, old washed up guys that live in their glory years. But um, they always tell me that Katie Ledecky is not the greatest swimmer in history. That Tracy Calkins is, and. Uh, I love Tracy. She's like a sister, but there is no way you can argue with me that Katie Ledecky is not the greatest female swimmer in history. I mean, I will win that argument every single time. Uh, it's just, it's just, are not they possible. arguing from like a versatility standpoint? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I get that. I understand that, but here, here's how, here's how you should judge this. And it's unfair. I get it. It's totally unfair, Elizabeth. But how you judge the greatest is first and foremost, foremost, Olympic gold medals individually. That's how you judge somebody. Mm-hmm. Forget world records. The first judgment is the Olympics. That's, that's what counts the most. Olympic gold medals individually. Then Olympic gold medals on relay. Then world records. Then you go down the line to world championships, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Katie beats Tracy in that in every single category. The number of world records she's broken, the number of gold medals she's won, the number of world championships she's won. Now, the argument for Tracy is, well, that's unfair because back then the world championships were only every four years, not every two years. I get that argument, but that's not Katie's fault, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And, and the other argument is, well, uh, 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 um, um, Tracy suffered through the boycott of 1980. Well, so did I, you know, hear, hear people saying, well, Rowdy would have won, you know, five gold medals in 80 big deal. It's just, it, it's the hand that we were dealt. It's not fair. I get it. But my judgment is not fair either on the way I judge the greatest. So I'm, I'm flapping my mouth, but back to your original question been really cool because she's been a teammate of yours a couple times and you know how 
incredibly humble and graceful she is. And that goes from her all the way up through her entire family. Yeah. Yeah. I think your, your point about the, the way you evaluate the greatest is, is an interesting one, because I think there is a difference, you know, when you talk about the most versatile versus the most dominant and like her dominance, just watch some of her races on tape. Is there anyone else in the frame? <laughs> like if there's nobody within, yeah. you know, within shouting. Barbini, Barbini, that may be true. And he'll probably text me if he hears this, but it might be true for even MP because MP yeah. was not as dominant yeah. as Katie has been, at least in one event. No doubt that for Michael from 2001 through 2016, I guess he was dominant, but in different events at different times, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he won three straight gold medals and all that stuff in a couple events, but uh, or in the 200 IM rather, but or four actually, right? Four straight. Yeah. Four, yeah. eight, six, 12, 16. That's right. So yeah. that kind of dominance in that event, no doubt about it. But 11 years going undefeated, even he got beat. You know, uh, he hasn't lost in 11 years in one of it. I mean, nobody in the history of the sport that I know of now, you know, from 1960 on is where I'm kind of put my historian hat on, uh, has been that dominant. Never. Yeah. And you start looking at, so, I mean, the 400 free at worlds will be very, very close now, but she moved the ball on that event so far. I mean, she, now it's going to take a 357 or lower to medal. It was unheard of to get under four minutes for a while. Like she's changed the sport in that event. And like, I mean, Titmus and summer have both said that like they would not have be as fast as they are now if katie hadn't set the bar there like titmus has been very open about chasing katie for years like her yeah. impact on just female distance swimming is like just what is possible has changed yeah. completely because of what she's done i think she should do the 10k but she doesn't like open water but I we've know, talked about I know. that forever it just is so it would be such Wouldn't a, it be cool though? Like a 9K float for her. And then can you imagine her coming on the last thousand? Just everybody oh. else would be like, oh God, we've got, it's like the 4am. How yeah. scared everybody yeah. was when she swam it at trials a couple of years ago. It's like, you do not want that coming home on the last hundred, even though her breaststroke is not on the way, last. By yeah. the way, she did have the American record in the 400 yard IM. I get it yeah. with yards. And people, yeah, that's yeah. another argument for Tracy. Well, she had the American record in all four strokes, which was, it's never been done ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it was yards. It wasn't meters. Right. And we're the only country in the world that swims yards. So does that skew things as far as the greatest? There's no doubt that I think Tracy is the most versatile swimmer, uh, female swimmer in history. But yeah. is she the greatest? That's that's the argument that might be had over a beer. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh, this is like the best conversation ever. Okay, wait, Rowdy. <laughs> Question again. So when we had Tariko on the podcast um, a few months ago, he said his favorite race to call was the 50 free, which I found interesting because it's over and done in 20 seconds. For you, is there a favorite race to call? Well, first of all, Beisel, he said that because I don't talk during a 50 normally. So he <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I finally opened the mic. Once I start talking, everybody, everybody, you know, my partners usually go, "Oh crap, I'm never going to get a word in edgewise." <laughs> no, but, uh, no, no, joy. Uh, that, that, you know, the, for me, it's it, it's personal um, because it's the hundred free, you know, and it, it's just because it's personal for me. Uh, and there have been, you know, to be able to be linked to really some of the, if not most of the greatest names in history, it's, it's pretty cool. When you go back to Johnny Weismuller and uh, Duke Kanemoku and Buster Crab and then Don Sholander and Mark Spitz and Jim Montgomery. I mean, I can tell you Nathan Adrian, Matt Biondi, I mean, the list goes, and Caleb, the list goes on and on of great American hunter freestylers. So for me, it's really humbling to even be mentioned with those names. So um, that's my favorite race to call. The men's hundred freestyle. You know, it's it. So Tariko answered that question, and I think because it was coming right off of trials in twenty one, that I think he was speaking to, and this is you know classic Tariko. This 
the sense of the moment, because that was such a critical race with Simone not yet on the team and trying to kind of salvage her Olympic trials. Um, and I think he, he really enjoyed the, like the intensity of that moment and the, the pressure that was on it. Do you, do you have races that you can think back on in your career where it's like the scale of the moment has kind of impacted how it felt to call it? Sure. And again, Matt, it's sort of personal for me, yeah. you know, because I, I try to remove my feelings as much as possible, but you build friendships and relationships with these swimmers and you care for them and you know how incredibly they, they are out of the pool, much more so they are in the pool. And I, I, t I say that all the time when, when I talk about Elizabeth and Colin and Nathan and, and Chase and some of the people that we do our Make a Splash tour with, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's weird, but I, I, you know, I go back to uh, 2000 and Misty Hyman, 200 Butterfly in Australia, defeating Madam Butterfly, yeah. Susie O'Neill from Australia. Everybody thought she was going to win. And that moment was really unbelievable to me. Nobody thought that Misty was going to win. So, so the unexpected tends to appeal to me than the expected. You know, like Katie Ledecky's 800 in, in London. Um, that was unbelievable. Jeff Rouse for me in 1996 was amazing because he was expected to win in 92 and he did not. They swam outside in Barcelona and his eyes got caught in the sun. He ran in the lane line, lost the goal. Four years later in Atlanta, he wins the goal. So these unexpected swims for me, even Michael, I will tell you that uh, uh, I always, Michael and I argue about, not argue, but I, and he agrees with me somewhat, but of all of Michael's races, I think one of the greatest, not the greatest, obviously, but one of the greatest, one of my top five definitely is the 400 free relay in London the day after he got fourth in the 400 IM because he could have packed it in in London in the 400 IM. You were there, Elizabeth, but he had the fastest split of anybody on that relay. The United States didn't even win, but he had no. the fastest split of anybody. And uh, so it was just his you know, the ability to come back that was unexpected to, to just to kick butt in. So those are the kinds of one, those are the races that kind of stick out for me. I, uh, I think it's super interesting um, talking about calling races and being on the broadcast side of things. I had no idea when, what went into a day of broadcasting <laughs> until I lived it. And I was like, oh I, you know, I literally, I was so green and naive. I was like, oh, I'm just going to show up 20 minutes before finals, no, you know, you look it over the that. heat sheet. You always came prepared. And, no, I know, but I'm saying like, I just had no right. idea until like, right. so I think for the listeners and, and like everybody, it would be really cool if you just briefly walked through a day of broadcasting, especially at a big event like Worlds or the Olympics, because it's so extensive and and you're on the entire time. Yeah. Well, you know, because we did it together in Tokyo. And yeah. So, yeah, this the Paris will be my ninth games. And I can tell you it. My dad always says, you know, quit complaining. It beats digging ditches. You know, you're you're calling the Olympics. How can you even complain about the workload, you know? So I, it, it, it's all perspective, but it, it isn't for the fate of heart. That's for sure, right? I mean, we are there. Um, I mean, Tokyo was flipped around, but, you know, we were there at six o'clock, something like that, six, six thirty in the morning in Tokyo. And we didn't leave until late that night. Um, and uh, you and I and Dan sometimes would catch, you know, 40 winks on a cot that was on the floor um, in a, in a sound booth, you know, um, and it's a lot of studying. I mean, I feel like sometimes I know more about the athletes than they do about themselves just because, you know, we're immersed in this for three weeks leading up to the Olympics. And then you're, you know, you have the trials to boot from that. So it's, it's a tough six weeks. It, it's, 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 you know, it was, it was hard sometimes. And, and our producer, Tommy Roy is just, unbelievable on the preparation side he wants everybody to be prepared but he also wants what's best for the broadcast so everybody comes you know with their antennas up and knows that this this is business because we have millions and millions of people watching us and relying on us to tell those stories you know so it was so cool to be with you elizabeth and michael um in the booth in tokyo and i, I can't wait for paris it's going to be a lot of fun 
The Olympics is not, the Olympics is a different animal, obviously. I mean, when we get to Worlds, uh, Nationals, these pro swim, you know, it's a lot less to it. Worlds is still crazy, but but uh, it's we we don't we're not calling prelims. See, we have to call the prelims uh, at the Olympics, so that that yeah. that makes a big difference. Did you find yourself at nationals having to do some uh, extensive research on names you were unfamiliar with? I mean, Dude. this must this is, must have been one of the crazier times of. Oh my God, who is that? I mean, this is my Hell entire yeah. job. And I was like looking at the some of the A finals, being like, I, I don't know who that kid is. I have no idea who that person is. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. And unfortunately, I didn't have Mike Unger. Thank goodness I had Patrick Murphy with me. Um, yeah. but like you know, usually Unger can fill in the gaps for me, and uh, I didn't have him there, so that was a bummer. But but Patrick and everybody else was awesome. Um but uh but yeah, it was uh it was it was difficult, uh, really very difficult. Thank goodness we have, uh, as Elizabeth knows, the Larry Hurst sheets, because the Larry Hurst sheets really make a difference. It's basically a sheet we get. You've seen them, Matt, where yep. it gives us all the kinds of stats we need. We just need to fill in the blanks of their personal story. And at Nationals, we don't tell the personal story quite as much because it's, I think at Nationals, you pr pretty much have the swimming audience uh, watching. Right. Um, but you have to tell the story of, you know, like Heilman, for example, breaking an age group record. I'm, you know, even the swimming people probably didn't know that um, or some of the swimming people. So it's important to also kind of mix the stories with the, uh, the down and dirty stats and splits and stuff like that at a meet like that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to guess that even Mike wouldn't have been able to nail every detail of all of those guys. But the newbies no this time. Yeah, not even not even his computer brain could have. Could have held and Jason Knapp is awesome. Jason's, you know, uh, I probably work with Jason more than anybody else. And he does the pro swim, did nationals. He's doing the first couple of days at Worlds uh, before Dan comes in from the open. Um, so he's he's always prepared. So thank goodness for him and his pronunciations, because if he mispronounces, I mispronounce because I'm just <laughs> following his lead. Because he introduces everybody, right, Elizabeth? So yeah. he, he makes it just like Dan, Danny did at the Olympics. He introduces everybody. So we can't do our own pronunciation. Elizabeth and I literally had to follow what Dan did on the pronunciation side. That's why I never worried about pronunciations because I'm just following Dan's lead. Yeah, I remember in Tokyo, it was like a wild goose chase trying to get some of these pronunciations. We're like, we got to find the German coach and like yeah. have him say the name for us and we would do it i'm yeah. not kidding we would be like running around with voice memos on our phone being like all right Crazy. rowdy this is how you say xyz's name like Crazy. it was because you don't want to mess it up on air and it's like especially at the olympics yeah. like you are you're announcing to millions mm -hmm. of people and mm -hmm. to that point as well rowdy you know this better than anybody when you're calling the olympics it is not the time to get technical and, and talk like down right. and dirty about swimming. Right. It's right. telling the story. It's right. very layman's terms type commentating. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes I, I, even when I commentate, I get some complaints like, oh, oh I, it's dude, you don't so have, boring. Why are you talking league. about that? Wait a second. Hang on. You're in the minor leagues when it comes to complaints, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm the major league New York Yankees when it comes to complaints. You are the uh, the Denver Nuggets of complaints. You're not getting any. You're great. But is you... that not true though, right? Like when you're calling Absolutely. a massive meet like that, you can't be talking about no. race pace and all of these things that like you and I speak fluently because- Joe Schmo on the couch who watches swimming once every four years is not going to enjoy that. No. They want the human I don't care interest. About the they want anyway, by the way. Yeah, nor should you. But yeah. it, it um, is just like an interesting dynamic where when you call a meet that's NCAAs and you know it's more of a swimming audience, mm -hmm. you can get into those finer details about like yep. the actual mechanics of the swimmer and what they're doing mm -hmm. technique wise. But Splits. it's yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating. That and stuff. Yeah. 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 A different animal, isn't it? It is. Anyways, I digress. That was my no, point. No. Okay. <laughs> just just making your point. Okay, Rowdy, uh, <laughs> on some lighter things, or maybe not lighter things, but <laughs> you not lighter at all, actually. Um, in terms of the work that you do with USA Swimming Foundation, it is incredible. You've devoted so much of your time and energy to that. And 
on July 25th this month, it is World Drowning Prevention Day. And you've been an advocate for water safety for so long. You know, where and when did that passion come to you? Was there a specific moment? Yeah, you know, that's a good question, Elizabeth, because I think for me, it came really hard uh, when my first granddaughter was born. She's 14, 15, no, she's 15. And it was about 15 years ago where it really kind of said, you know what, you know, I really want my grand, I can't imagine uh, my grandchildren not being safe or safer in and around water. So it, the, the real passion started around then. But I will tell you, it, you know, when I started working for USA Swimming back in 2003, that's where it kind of all, you know, the seed was planted because Chuck Welgus, our executive director, really wanted to take the foundation to a direction of water safety. And I had not really given much thought to water safety, certainly statistics that you and I have become familiar with. Um, so uh, for me, that's where it kind of started, but it really got, you know, heavy uh, about, you know, late, you know, around 2008, right? When you swam in the, those first Olympics, uh, for me, it really kind of, it kind of took off from there. I get a Google alert. I, you know this. I get a Google alert whenever a child drowns and I look at them all every day. And uh, I mean, it literally breaks your heart. I mean, it, it, it literally just feels like somebody just, because we, you and I know, Matt, you know how much joy swimming brings us, you know, how much joy water brings us. And I read about that and I think about the rest of those families' lives it's going to bring nothing but heartache and uh and not in every case but in most cases it's preventable and i think the usa swimming foundation has certainly been on the forefront of that i think for us uh and and the organization i work for step in a swim and the collaboration that we are doing with usa swimming foundation it's all about collaborating collaborating we gave um, the foundation, a grant of $200,000 last year, 40000 this year. So we want to continue to support them. And that's what we all need to do is we need to collaborate together uh, to stop this as, as much as possible. So for anyone that's listening, um, that's either concerned about their kids' safety around water or their own safety around water, you know, what, what can they do to, to be safer, to feel safer around the water, to make sure that, they, uh, that their kids are? Good question. First and foremost, do not take your eye off your kid. The parent has to be the first line of defense. We are in a, a world of hurt, Arbini, because of this. Mm. Because parents, about 70% of drownings happen in front of an adult. And the reason is because they're on this, or they're going to answer the door, or they're checking their laundry, and a child can drown in as little as 30 seconds. So that's like shooting a text to somebody, and you're not paying attention. And we, especially at parties, drownings happen all the time at parties, because when everybody's supposed to be watching, nobody's watching. Mm -hmm. So that's what I try to tell people. Be that first line of defense. Get a water watcher to, to watch your kid. Don't depend on the lifeguard. Um, and then Teach that one great skill of floating on your back. That's what we try to do as much as possible in providing these grants uh, at Step in a Swim. We say, got to teach that floating on your back because that gives that kid a chance to live. If they can end up floating on their back and their parent does go answer the door, that 30 seconds to a minute could be the difference between life and death. So uh, that one skill floating on their back and parents please, 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 I'm begging you, watch your child all the time. You won't have a problem. We talk about kids so much, especially related to drowning, but adults are, they're just as likely to, likely to drown as kids. What would you say to an adult? And, and I get it. It's hard. If you're a 30, 40, 50 year old who doesn't know how to swim, you might feel self-conscious or unwelcomed at a swimming lesson at the YMCA with five-year-olds. So where would you send those adults and, and what would you tell them to encourage them? You know, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, Ooh, I don't know how to swim. I'm an adult. What would you tell them to get into the water and where would they go? Well, I think it's cool, Elizabeth, what 
USA Swimming and U.S. Master Swimming is doing and the fact that they're combining efforts to be able to get that message out to the adult swimming world. And I think Tim uh, Hinchy really was really brilliant in bringing those two um, organizations together. Uh, again, and we've, we've talked about this, the number, number one reason more African-American children do not know how to swim is because that fear is passed down generationally. And, and that's why I try to tell, um, especially those uh, minority communities, you know, just because you're afraid, don't pass that fear down to your kid. And the biggest way you could show that courage is to learn how to swim yourself or learn how to be more comfortable in the water. Um, because when you're afraid around the water, then that's going to be passed down. So there are so many different opportunities for adults as, as, as there are with children, not as many, not as many, obviously, but there are those opportunities. And I think uh, USA Swimming has done a great job in providing the messaging out there to those adults that, uh, that don't know how to swim or are afraid to swim. Basil, should we do some social kick? What? I would love to. All right. So, Rowdy, we, we are our last little segment on these, as always. Um, we take some listener questions and we fire them at you sort of rapid fire. So, Got a few. Oh, this is live? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. It's they're not. Uh, these are submitted through Instagram and uh, other places oh, like I that. See. So yeah, yeah. Imagine I, if okay. this was live and we just didn't tell Rowdy. Oh my god! Oh, by the oh, way, it's live. For sure. and video. Oh, I was, I was praying <laughs> Kyle will be able to edit out, edit out all my stupid comments. So <laughs> we're streaming live video of you and your. You can't scare me. I have four daughters shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You like that? I love it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. He's the best girl dad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, okay, shoot. Four it scares me, man. I just have one, and she's clearly the boss of the house. So I, can, I cannot imagine four. I, so I said, I took the, uh, uh, our granddaughters to go get ice cream a, a couple hours ago, and I said, okay, go potty before we go. I think, oh my gosh, I just said go potty. Oh yeah. We're in that world, man. Like I'm an adult right. man saying yeah, I, go potty. I, <laughs> go potty. I, my my daughter is she's gonna be four in October. And uh I would say the potty might be the word I've spoken most this year. Like there is it is go entirely possible that yeah, just like fretting about potty training, then saying potty to her. My wife and I say potty back and forth probably 20 times. Like, is she potty trained now? Or are we getting there with the potty? Like, yeah, it's my my top word of 2023. Being tested there, buddy. Yeah, speaking yeah. of embarrassing confessions. All right, let's move on before I say <laughs> anyways. Yeah, it's, it's been a long couple of weeks, guys. All right. Um the first one is from Anna C. Does your voice ever hurt from commenting a meet? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've actually had to be cool, um, uh, especially at the Olympics, because, you know, it raises to completely different octaves. And we get really tired. Elizabeth will tell you, you know, surviving on four or five hours sleep a night is not easy. So by the end, you're you know, your body kind of starts to shut down. So that's when my voice really starts to go is toward the end of a big meet like the Olympics. Not so much any NCAA somewhat, but really it's the Olympics because you're doing prelims and finals. And even though you're a little bit calmer in the prelims, you're speaking a lot. That's why I don't say much and I don't talk much, uh, you know, uh, when I'm not when I'm not on air, I, I kind of keep quiet as much as possible. Yeah, you're adding in a, an extra session next year too with the uh yeah. kind of going to the nine-day format to get the yeah. lozenges going dan, uh, dan and i figured dan and i figured out uh we've called about 1500 olympic races wow when you combine prelim semis and finals what uh, wow wow it's crazy all right this is a tough one uh this is from jack a and jacob k what is your favorite race of all time that you have announced? That's an easy one. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I know the answer. It's, yeah, it's I think everybody, everybody has ahead. the answer. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, 4x1, 2008. Yeah, it's got to be 4x1, right? 4x1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw it live. So, uh, yeah, it, it, there's not another race that 
really compares again when you know the story behind the race yeah there were just as exciting races you know i mean yeah. 800 free relay in in at my olympic games bruce hayes uh holding off the albatross uh the one in um um, um athens in 2004 um mm -hmm. um oh my gosh I, anchored against i Thorpe. always think of like nathan in 2012 yeah. winning by yeah. 100 yeah. Exactly. So there are a lot, but the story behind that race is what makes it so incredible. I mean, Colin making it by one one hundredth of a second, Jason going 46 flat. Nobody's even been, well, Dean has, I guess, but nobody really has been close to that since. That's 15 years later, still the fastest split in history. Yeah. The French talking smack. It's just Michael on that quest for eight gold. It's just, they did an hour and a half documentary on one friggin' three minute race that shows you how big of a race it was yeah <laughs> and the i mean the, the documentary was called the, the documentary was called the greatest race <laughs> <laughs> well, i guess that answered they answered it for us you could have skipped that there we question. Go. <laughs> yeah right well it changed the trajectory of the sport like if if they don't win that race then michael's not chasing eight golds the attention on that olympics is not the same and we're probably in a different place just yeah. nationally yeah no doubt. No doubt. I, I will say one quick thing. It, a, a lot of people, if you remember the 1976 women's 400 free relay, I would stack up th that that race is in my Mount Rushmore. The problem is, you know, it was 1976. So it was before, you know, TV really took off for the Olympic Games. But the East Germans had pretty much won every gold medal until the very last race of the Olympics and should have won that gold medal by four or five seconds. They went one, two, three in the 100 freestyle. And uh, and uh, and the Americans won, which which was also a, a documentary was done on that race. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. the last gold. So for sure, I have to throw that one in there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's see what else do we have here. Um, I guess this was probably based on your career. This is from Tracy. What is your favorite swimming memory? Well, my. Own? Favorite memory would have to be, uh, you know, my own Olympics, you know, I mean, it's selfish, I know, but for me, you know, to be able to make it after the boycott and all that stuff, you know, it, it meant a lot to me to be able to kind of persevere through all that. Um, I don't know if you want to call it adversity, but, it, you know, certainly a, a stumbling block along the way. And uh, so for me, that's, that's the memory that is ingrained in my head, not so much winning guys, but making the team. Um, so Elizabeth, you, you have to admit that one of your greatest memories is when you made your first event at your first Olympics. Um, that's my favorite swimming moment. hundred percent. That's what, that's the dream. Yeah. The dream comes right. true. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's why I think for us, because making the Olympics is so hard, it, it takes you back to really when you made it. I have more vivid memories of what I did before and after making it than I do after winning the gold medal, right? It's just that that What a thrill. testament to, to USA Swimming. Yeah. And the right. teams that we just keep putting together. Yeah. Number one since 1956, yeah. dude. No, no, other sport, <laughs> no other sport, no other country. Nobody can ever claim that kind of excellence. 67 years. I think that's a good place to end. Rowdy, thank you very much. This is Thank been you, great. guys. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. We'll uh, have a good trip over here to join me. In, thank you, buddy. I, I, I may text you every once in a while, if you don't mind. Uh, if you've got any hot news that you want, you know, keep confidential. Yeah, Let yeah. me know. Okay. I won't, I won't break any kind of confidence. I never do. But uh, if you, if you or Elizabeth hear anything, let me know. Well, do yeah. you, do you want to know the mixed medley order? Yes, I, I'm not going to say, I'm not gonna say yeah. yeah. I'm not going to give the blog boys that, that kind yeah, of, right. I mean, I think that's an easy one. That, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's going to be Murph or Hunter, and it's going to be Nick Fink, and it's going to be it's going to be Tory, and it's going to be you know uh, Kate Douglas or Abby. Yeah, you know, it's going to be something like that. You know, um, Gretchen is going to be in there. It, it's not. It, you're just going to see who has the hot end, but it's going to be two guys and two girls. I guarantee you that. Yeah, it's you know what the uh, 
some of the I know deadly... you're thinking Reagan or Lily. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, I guess you all have to tune in to find out. But the medleys yeah, are, 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 are tricky, uh, especially the women's side. It's like, was what you just talked about. It's like you could use Tori, flyer free, Gretchen, flyer free, Reagan, yep. back or fly, Kate, yep. anything. Like it is or, yeah, 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 literally yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Crazy. All right. Everybody so, stay tuned. I'm, I'm not breaking any news. <laughs> Thanks for right. I know you're not. Appreciate I know you're not. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you. Rowdy. You're the best. Thank you. You too. Bye, y'all. Bye. All right. Thanks again, Rowdy, for coming on. Basil, is that just what the, uh, the behind the scenes at NBC is like every day? Just yes. shooting, the, shooting the breeze with Rowdy and Dan? It really, I mean, at the Olympics, like Rowdy said, totally different story. You are locked and loaded because that is like a multi-billion dollar contract to yeah. broadcast the Olympics. But at meets like a pro swim or an secs or something like that's a that's a little bit more chill it is like we're just swim nerds and it's so fun and rowdy is actually a legitimate historian when it comes to the olympics and swimming like you ask him any question probably from 1960 on he knows the answer within like two seconds it's pretty it's pretty yeah. impressive when he's, it, when he's... he gets the fukuoka mat you should ask him yeah yeah i mean i've yeah i've spent tons of time with rowdy and and we've yeah. talked a lot of swimming history and he's like a through line though it's like there's so there's very rarely somebody that is like so consistently involved in the sport for as long as he has been but he has seen every relevant moment in swimming since the 70s through now and he's been the voice of that since the 90s through now i mean it's it's kind of a a, a unique position. Most sports don't really have that. I guess, you know, some do with, um, you know, the big broadcasters, but it's crazy to have sort of that consistent uh, presence in our sport for so yeah. long. Yeah. Well, I am very excited to tune in um, this upcoming week at world. So they will be on Peacock, right? It'll be streaming on Peacock all yep. sessions. Um, and for more information, you can visit usaswimming.org slash 2023 worlds. Um, and also follow USA Swimming on social media. And you, I don't know, Barbini, what, are we going to see your face on social media during Worlds? Or are you just going kind of <laughs> to? <laughs> uh, I mean, I tend to be behind the scenes. I guess that's a Kyle question, whether uh, you guys are going to use yeah. me for anything. Um, we, uh, this is, we, I don't think we'll be on as much as we are during the Olympics. Um, but I tend to hide from the cameras when I get the opportunity. I want so a little see. Barbini like uh, all right, behind man. the scenes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we are, Fukuoka team area. Yeah. It's like somebody's getting a massage. Still the on. same. Yeah, Day exactly. Eight. Yeah, yeah. Looks very Still the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, you know, World Drowning Prevention Day, July 25th, as we talked about with Rowdy. So um, anybody that's looking for more resources, uh, go to usaswimming.org slash foundation. Basil, it's always a pleasure. Barbini. Enjoy. I'll tell you, Wednesday is great. You can look forward to it. <laughs> I, you're already there. So yeah, yeah. far, so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I have a great night's sleep ahead of me. There you go. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to... Uh, Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Basil. We'll we'll see you next month. Barbini, enjoy Fukuoka. I will be watching for you on social media and I'll be cheering <laughs> for Team USA. It's gonna be amazing. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Kickset with USA Swimming. Head to usaswimming.org for more episodes and make sure you subscribe to Kickset wherever you get your podcasts.